This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Stephen, thanks for coming back to the Abraham's Wallet podcast for another another week of technology fireside chats. Thank you, Mark. In the way of introduction, why don't we why don't we just talk for a second about um, why? Okay, so our little heading is running your home and money like a biblical boss. So why does that um, include the care of what do we care? What do we care that what people do with technology. Well, if you're just joining us for the first time right now, welcome. And also, I think we answered that question in the last episode about technology, where we talked a little bit about how technology has been, I don't know if I can say for sure, but I think it might have been the biggest invader and changer so I, I would say both positive and negative of our homes and our family life in the past at least 100 years so we talked a little Definitely. bit about we talked a little bit about how the radio used to that was kind of the first arrival of technology at the hearth and it, you know maybe now instead of playing the piano and reading books we were going to listen to the radio and then it became the tv and the personal computer and now we all have on demand whatever we want in our pocket, whether we're at the home or whether we're not at the home. And we just need to be aware that, you know, you brought up the fact that we have an enemy that's actually out to kill us. And it's as if we're creeping through bear country. Um, being aware that there's bears isn't good enough, you said last no. week. But. I would say the same about technology saying, yeah, we know this is a real thing. Now we're going to give our kids a firm talking to when we hand them their iPhones at age 11. That's not good enough. No. So I think tech has changed our homes in all sorts of ways. It's changed my home in all sorts of ways. And some of them are good, but um, we think this is a really important topic to explore if we're going to think about the overall management of a home, which involves how you invest and spend your money, but it also involves how you discipline your children and how you spend your, your Friday night dinner time and all this stuff. Yeah. So we're interested in the spectrum of running homes. And this is, you can't not talk about this and say you've covered the bases. Yeah, that's right. It's amazing even even for um, financial advising companies, there's now a department that all companies must have, which is what do we do with cyber threats and how do we make people's digital monies secure, et cetera. That didn't exist a generation ago. And you, it, it's now a must. You have to have it. So similarly, if you are trying to run a home and you don't have any policy, you haven't thought through what to do about technology at all, you are way behind the times. So we have to, we have to, and I find, frankly, there's a lot of people who fit that qualification as being way behind the times. They just haven't, they just no policy at the house. It's just like whatever anybody wants to do is fine. 
and subscriptions out the wazoo are fine and having all access with the kids are fine. And I would say you're behind the times and you're out of step. So we want to raise the profile of this issue and talk through it to, to help, to help guys run their homes like a biblical boss. That's right. And so this week we're going to talk about the, the fact that we all, for the most part, carry smartphones. We're talking about technology, but we kind of honed in on smartphones for the series we did on the blog. And so we're talking about smartphones, which I think adds the utmost element of privacy to your technology life, um, even more than what happens on your computer. Um, and so one of the big things that I just think we have to address because our, our audience is, is a bunch of dudes um, is the fact that if you have a smartphone and you're telling me like I think 95% of men in the church today would tell me pornography is some sort of struggle, whether it's something I just have to be aware of or if it's something I do every single day, about 95% of guys would say yes on some level it's something I have to keep very close watch on. Um, if that's you and you haven't considered at least how a smartphone plays into that, uh, you're, I, a fool. you're acting a fool at least. You're acting a fool. That's right. So I want to just read some, some data points in case, I don't know, if there's really someone out there that, saying I don't believe it. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you're listening to the wrong podcast, but uh well, I also think there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who personally struggle and and don't comprehend how broad that struggle is or how common it is. So I, I think some some data might might be well uh advised. Data coming right up. Thanks. So, 37% of all internet activity today is pornography. I heard a stat just before wow. we got on this podcast that 12% of all websites are pornographic. What? That means those 12% of websites are doing better than average because uh, they're attracting 37% of all the traffic. Uh, this comes from a study Josh McDowell did that's about 500 pages long and he spent more than a decade doing research on this topic. It's, I know about this study. It's free. Just Google Josh McDowell pornography study and you'll find it. If you don't add the word study, you might find something horribly disturbing. <laughs> but uh, God bless that, that guy. But 95% uh, of men who claim to be born again admit to looking at pornography and 37% of them say they do it on a daily basis. Oh, my word. Amongst pastors... 57% of men report regular pornography use. Wow. 33% uh, of, of the people who engage in this say they've tried to stop and failed. <coughs> um, so there's some sense that it's not a good thing. However, uh, amongst teens and young adults today, uh, not recycling is ranked as more immoral than looking at porn. So it's not the... Uh, the evil that maybe it would have been identified as back in the the fifties when it could ruin your entire business life to be seen walking into a smut house. Yeah. 
the alarm the alarms are no longer going off societally no um i've been in business meetings where people talked about their their favorite flavor of porn wow in co-ed business meetings in utah so lastly the vast majority of pornography is consumed on cellular phones so this is where it's happening and if this doesn't surprise you um i don't know it does i guess it surprised me a lot the first time and now i've kind of it's totally changed the way i think about when i drive past the local middle school and see them getting out every single kid has a smartphone in their hand and they're staring at it and they're walking in a group and i'm thinking what kind of insane person hands this portal to a seventh grader? Because if it happened to me in seventh grade, I don't know that I would have ever like escaped the vortex. Right. I had enough problems without smartphones and total privacy and all that. So, Okay, so if we can agree, certainly for the audience that we're talking to, pornography is a massive problem. And in their homes, it's, it is a massive problem. So, uh, (laughs) does the study go into like, let's talk, let's just talk a second about why this is bad. Why is this a problem? Yeah, I, I didn't read all 500 pages of the study, so I can't tell you that. But like I said, you cited first Peter five, eight, which is that the enemy's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, James 1.14 says each person's tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. And I think that what has happened is, I've said this to my wife before. I said, it feels like now you've put a prostitute in every guy's house that's just always there and saying, anytime, buddy, come on. Like, and I said to her, like, can anybody go a lifetime? and say no to that always um we need to get that that foreign entity out of our homes at very least or i don't know for me as a guy i'd be like i would be on edge all the time if i knew that in that room over there everything that i don't intend is available to me to go engage in so i think this is why if we think it's a real danger and as serious as the bible seems to say it is um i think that we would be fools to just leave it in our house and go i guess that if we love jesus we'll do a great job uh, and if not we'll just ask for forgiveness yeah yeah something else that comes to mind is the importance before the Lord as somebody who wants to be a Christ follower of purity of heart. And um, of course, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, um, the pure in heart will see God. And I tell you one thing that will constrict your ability to see God is, is having an impure heart. Um, and of course, there's the proverb, uh, I think it's, I'm not going to even try the, not the reference or get it wrong. I think it might be, uh, I'm not going to try. It says, above all things, guard your heart, because out of your heart flows the wellspring of life. And it's insufficient 
to say for this because of um, self-hatred or insecurity or a low self-esteem or whatever. Well, my heart doesn't really matter. Um, it matters to the God who made you and who's going to judge you, the state of your heart. And so maintaining heart purity at any cost is worth it. It's worth it for any, any um, inconvenience, for any expense. It's funny. You can actually save yourself money in your monthly budget if you were, say, to remove the Internet from your home. But if it costs you money to prevent this, if you had to put up bars around your home to keep it from coming in, it would be worth it. Um, you would do that if there were marauders loose. You know, there are parts of uh, Houston, at least, um, where bars on the windows is a necessity. And I would say we need to have bars on our windows as home leaders because there's something that wants to destroy you as the family leader because that's what the enemy does is he goes after the shepherd so that the sheep scatter. He wants to disrobe and dethrone you as the leader of your home. And then he wants to rip your kids apart. And we should be really serious about going. I mean, pornography is the worst of the worst, but there are things that happen on network television that should never be on your TV because they, they get at this purity thing also. And we, we should be like a, we should be like a Western sheriff with a badge and a gun in our pocket, ready to pull it out at any time and go, that's not coming into my home. And I have been, I, I have had my finger shaken at me by various members of my family for like, Oh, come on. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to do that on this. Are you? Um, and I think, well, no, I, I am authorized and I'm going to be held accountable for being the purity policeman in this home. And so it's okay if you people don't have the same sensitivities I do, but uh, you're not going to answer to the boss the way that I am. So anyways, I just, that the purity of heart thing comes out to my mind because uh, I think we can easily believe the lie, exactly what you just said. Um, oh, I'm having a hard day or I'm doing bad or I'm sexually frustrated right now. And I'll do a little porn and then um, masturbate and then, I, well, I'll ask forgiveness later. Meanwhile, your heart is being corroded in that process and the trade-off is not worth it. I feel like the enemy is laughing all the way to the bank with, with that whole process. Yeah, and I, I hear the excuse that kind of goes the way of, you know, Mark, it's not my phone. Like, I know you think I'm crazy when I confess to you that this is my great struggle. And then you look at me like, what are you doing when I pull my iPhone out? Um, it's not my phone, it's my heart. Right. And that's where I need to really work on my desires. So I'm going to keep the phone and work on my heart. And this is insane. Our, our friend Mark talks about it like a bunch of starving people walking around with, with poison Snickers bars in their pocket. Like I'm just gonna keep this here, even though I know it's going to kill me if I eat it. Um, 
and hopefully it'll be okay. I have no record of being responsible with this, but, but I think, I think I'll be able to handle it. Everyone trust me. No, that's terrible. Terrible. I mean, I, I, for one have talked to people who have kind of dealt with this in all sorts of ways from the, the full blast giant high walls and bars approach where you just unplug the internet from your home. We wrote an article about what would it look like to live without internet. Uh, and so you can find that on the blog, but, um, to cutting everything and firewalling your whole house and all that. And, I've heard other people say, well, that's just artificial. And the second the walls came down, um, you know, you'd get overrun again. And I say, that's like going out to, I'm reading a book right now about the settlement of Texas. And it's like going out to the people who the, the one day that they left the gate open to the fort, it got creamed by Comanches and saying, You guys aren't really addressing the the problem. You you're just building this wall that yeah, keeps this is the, an artificial wall. The murderous Native Americans out <laughs> of your fort, and it, it's like, dude. Um, and sometimes things change when you put that wall up. I told you this last week, but I cut Twitter out of my life in college because I found that it had so much smut on it that I just wasn't trustworthy with it. And I'm 37 now, and I am back on Twitter as of three weeks ago. Shout out to the Abraham's Wallet Twitter account. It's fantastic. But but I kind of finally woke up and go, you know, I'm I'm not going to to go in those places. It was 17 years (laughs) of keeping the wall up before I made that decision. It wasn't like... I've done really well for the last 48 hours. I'm going to go back on yeah. Instagram where I just spent all my time looking at butts yeah. uh, because I've done re- That's stupid. So yeah. Yeah. Ask, uh, ask an alcohol addict, um, whether it's dumb to have an artificial rule about where you will and won't go and whether you'll get near alcohol or not. Well, cause it's just an issue of the heart, you know, um, here's two, here's two artificial walls. Um, <clears throat> I'll also do a little plug for, we're going to, we're, we're soon to release a series on, um, soon it might be a month, but we're going to release a, a series on addiction. Um, and what that has to do with our hearts and, you know, this, that certainly plays into this, but, um, my good friend, Kevin, who'll be writing for us. Um, he has the experience of, okay, I'm going to stop lying to myself. I'm going to throw up my hands and declare to the whole world. I have proven I cannot master my desires in this area and that my cravings are stronger than, than what I want to do when I'm in a right mind. And so I'm going to enlist people who care about me. And I'm going to put up some barriers for my own heart's sake. And it's amazing how, how rare it is. Okay, based on the stats you just gave me, basically everyone you know struggles with pornography. 
and how rare it is for anyone to throw their hands up and say, I, I, can't, I cannot continue on. I need to create some barriers for myself um, for the sake of my health. I mean, guarantee so you, you know more people who are going to AA meetings than who are taking active steps to cut porn out of their life. Yeah, that's for sure. But the stats would say that alcoholism, not, not close, not close to 95% of the population. Yeah, not close. Um, you know, you talked to, you said, why is porn bad? And I, w- I kind of didn't know we had to cover that until you and I go and minister to guys at these man camp events. And we talked to sometimes a hundred guys in one weekend. And some of them have never walked through a church before. Others have been, others have been in church life their whole life. And those are the ones that shock me when they come up and they say, things are going really well. I've been able to, to really maintain sexual purity. Um, And one of the strategies I use, is I just look at a lot of porn. And so it's not a given. I mean, that's, that's almost kind of funny to you and I to even think of someone saying that, but it's not funny to folks. They're legit with a clean conscience, just saying, this is a great, this is a great alternative for me. So I guess it's not a total given to some of the guys listening to this, that this is even a problem. No. And I think we can, we can look at Matthew five and what Jesus says about adultery and the fact that our eyes are um, just as important as our actions. Uh, we can look at first Corinthians six eighteen that says flee from sexual immorality and think about well, let's back. Let's just back that up to, and just tell tell people exactly what he says. He says, if you've looked lustfully at a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. And um, you know, even to even to pull back, pull the camera back, even from what we say our stated goal is to to lead your home and and money like a biblical boss. There's there's a bigger goal than that, which is I want to know God. There's a bigger goal than that, which is. I want to live life the way that my maker tells me to because I'm going to stand before him someday and he has a gavel in his hand and he will, he'll judge us about whether we did what he said or whether we um, avoided and ignored what he said. And so uh, Paul makes this argument about um, sin. I think it's in first Corinthians 11 about if my, if my conscience is clean, that only has some value because I could have a conscience that is insensitive to the things that offend God's heart. So if you are if that guy that you're talking to, that's like, man, I'm just, I feel like I'm making such smart decisions about my sexuality because, you know, I just limit it to a whole lot of pornography the question is, does, is not whether your conscience is clean, do you sleep well at night? The question is whether the God who will judge you is offended by that. And if he's offended, then we also have scriptural um, reason to think that his Holy Spirit um, 
over time, not, not once because he's grossed out, but over time he'll see, oh, you don't really want me. What you really want is to pursue your own passions and desires. And so I'm going to go stand over here. And so I just have to, I just have to contextualize the, what dangers are we talking about? We're not talking about the goal is that you'd have a good sex life or the goal is that your children wouldn't end up in prison. Although being a, being a, a serial porn user actually increases those odds for you and for your progeny. Um, we're talking about the way that you stand before God and what his standards are. And that really changes the conversation. So I don't know if, I don't know if people normally think on those terms, but those are the, those are the stakes of the game. That's right. I also think we could take all of the scripture about sexual purity and say, okay, then maybe I don't recommend this, but I think you could say, I don't know what that really means for me, different time, different temptations. And we could just say, what, let's just play this out. What does it look like in a society that has said, this is all morally neutral? Um, and before we push record, we were talking about the the It's Good to Be a Man podcast. They recorded an episode on singleness that I recommend going and listening to because they really did a great job of exploring what happens in a culture where um, the male sex drive is not harnessed for positive uh, effect. And it really blew my mind because I thought, you know, back in 1837, since I'm thinking about that era right now, mm-hmm. um, if you're a guy who wants sex, you have pretty much one option, and it's to succeed, build your community, build a household, prove that you're capable of providing, and then some girl might marry you, and that's how you get sex. Mm-hmm. Every other avenue. And sure, like prostitution that's been around forever, uh, there's there's alternatives, but those are highly risky to your long-term prospects of wellness in, in community. So I, I think that um, previously, the male sex drive was harnessed to produce good things, even if guys were only doing it <laughs> because they had carnal desires the the requirement if you wanted sex was often not always but often it was still we'll go be productive and right. do do things that will make our whole community better right and then maybe you'll get some sex and i don't know i thought that that was kind of a revelation to me because now you don't even have to leave your house you don't have to go on a date like Don't blame Tinder because you can go get easy casual sex. You don't even have to interact with another human to get the charge that somebody would get out of a sexual encounter. Um, And the result is by all metrics are the men in our society are not doing as well. Um, There's we could, we could record a whole podcast on that. If you want to argue with us, feel free. But um Guys aren't doing as well. Of the modern male. And I'm not trying to say like, it's all the fault of something. I, I just think 
you have to kind of step back and go, hmm, guys no longer need to be successful to get the thing that most of them want the most, especially when they're young men. Uh, and they're not. They're, we see the effects of that. And it's probably not 100% of the cause, but it's, it's in the mix for sure. Yeah, the, there's a biblical anecdote that comes to mind, which is, okay, so I got to kind of set it up. In, in that society, in Bible times, your wealth was basically cattle and children. And, and your number of children dis- determined your legacy um, and, again, your wealth, your ability to expand. So um, <clears throat> there was a law, in effect, that if, if your brother who was married died without children, you had to have intercourse with his wife so that you could provide her with children to have this, to have, a, to have some sort of wealth, you know, some sort of insurance policy. You can read our series on insurance later, but um, it had nothing to do with this. Anyways, so little, little, little kind of, you know, obscure, strange little rule of that society. And it's in the Bible that if you were performing this for this service for your dead brother's uh, widow and in having sex with her, you forgive me being graphic, you pulled out and spilled your semen on the ground. You would be killed for having done that because the benefit, because that whole thing was produced. The whole goal of that whole thing was to produce children, wealth, communal security and everything that comes from the having of children. And so it's easy for me to see in our, in our modern society, how there's been a denigration of, of even having children in your home. There's been a denigration of sex as procreation. There's been a denigration of um, building your home around the caring for and building of children, including the denigration of a mom staying home and having that be her vocation to take care of children. That whole thing that um, this is all part of the cultural soup that would also say that pornography is a legitimate um, outlet for the sex kind of sexual desire that you're describing, which God has put into us. And it's because he, he, he actually envisioned a city, a strong city of his people and Sex, the sex drive is part of his program for us. That's what he made people to do, to be a young man and to have ambitions and want to build something because you want to attract a woman. You want a good woman who can birth kids and will be a partner for you and you can expand this family. That's all, it's, it almost sounds like quaint to, to describe that these days, but that's still God's plan and it's programmed, it's hardwired into us and you can't change that. There's a wiring in us that, that this sex drive is a God thing and we are screwing it up. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. And we're, we're screwing it up kind of to, like I said, I think we could talk about (laughs) the, the ways in which we have artificially satisfied ourselves 
and killed the intent of the deep desires inside of us in so many we ways talk about that for hours um to bring it back to how this even relates to what you should do with the phone choices you make um i guess i want this podcast to mostly be a challenge to people and i would just say like i said in the blog post I don't think you can carry a smartphone and concurrently avoid pornography if this is currently your struggle. I think you should chuck it. Um, and that's because it's taking with you the opportunity for anonymous, completely secret scratching of this itch anytime, anywhere you want. And I just don't think that that's a good choice for people who um, are in the throes of trying to to slay this particular beast. Good stuff. I would like to, before we run out of time, I'd like to hear you, Mark, give practical tips and solutions to guys who are who want to know what what's the practicalities that I can set up around my life. Yeah. So there's a lot of those walls and bars you can install right now. The easiest one is to go get yourself a stinking flip phone for ten dollars, uh, or a something that doesn't connect to the internet, or at least doesn't do it very easily. Um, and I think that there's just a period of detox from having kind of the constant availability and flow of this stuff in your life. It's useful, so. Like we said, don't tell me that uh, I'm just, it doesn't change my heart. Like it's really useful if you've been looking at porn every day or every week or every month to stop for a while (laughs) and you will be better at saying no to that after you've uh, unplugged the opportunities. So that's one. Um, If you say, well, that's just too radical. I need my phone to do work meetings. You should just quit your job. Um, So (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I want us to be ready for kind of aggressive action on that front, whatever that looks like. Don't quit your job just because I said that one sentence. Uh, But I think that if that's not you, you know, I talked to a guy the other day who uses the Covenant Eyes software, which monitors what you do on the internet, on your computer. Um, And I was like, asking him about why he has that and he's like it's not because i feel like i'm tempted right now it's because i know that i'm going to have a moment of weakness five years from now and it'll come out of nowhere so he has set up some regulations for himself even in the midst of long stretches of success on this front so i think that's wise for every guy regardless of whether this is an active struggle or not is to say i don't want the the metaphorical prostitute in the basement like let's just remove that as a as a possibility um those are two options i think there i think we'll probably talk at length about filtering software and stuff like that um we both use the circle device which i think is fantastic and pretty much critical for uh anybody who's got children um yeah because you can you can have zero struggle with this ever for your whole life and still have your family 
uh, absolutely get nuked by porn because a small child, either intentionally or not, runs into something that they really can't unsee. So we'll talk about kind of home filtering and home device policies probably a little bit later. I would also like to hype the light phone too, which Ooh. has no, it has no um, browser, but it has text. It has mapping. Um, cool device. Uh, let me just, uh, give the Bible references for what I was saying before my crazy reference is Genesis 38. Um, and it's the story of Onan. Um, and then that, that rule that I'm referring to is also repeated in Deuteronomy 25. So obscure little things, but, um, to me underlines what God's intention for sex is. You know, for the, for the guy who says, I, don't know that this is a problem. Another step I've taken because I'm holding my iPhone in my hand and that's going to be a disappointment to those who thought I was still using the Blackberry. That's a little foreshadowing of <laughs> some of the, the options out there. But my problem when I went back to the iPhone was not smut. It was distraction, but yes. it doesn't really matter if, if it's that you're tempted to look at your phone when you don't want to, or if you're tempted to look at boobs on your phone. Uh, one step I took is that you can actually nowadays on Apple's probably on Android's cause they let you do whatever you want. You can remove all browsers from this thing. And the way you do it is you just turn off Safari, you hand the phone to somebody who's not you and say, enter a password in here for parental controls and you become the king of my phone. And now I don't have Safari on here and I can't put it back on without going back to, in this case, as my wife who keeps all the passwords for all our devices and say, put it back on. Um, and that's been really good for me because I, I use a lot of the productivity stuff on this phone at work. I use my different tools the the are helpful to my job kind of shout out to Amos John who said the iPhone can be helpful to work <laughs> but uh but it's also pretty fun when somebody says hey pull this up on your phone you say I, I don't have a browser on my phone and <laughs> depending on who you're talking to they either think you're a crazy person or they're a porn addict who goes oh yeah that's probably a good idea or they are, you know, it'll stir up a conversation like, well, yeah, I, I really struggle with technology and da 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 da. And that can end up in really fun places, even if you're just talking to the barista at Starbucks while you spend some of your 6,500 points that they gave you when you yeah. signed up for the credit card. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there's creative options out there. I would just say, be, put it all on the table. And just ask the Lord, say, this is all available to you uh, from taking every single thing here away. And I'm just going to write letters to, uh, to saying, no, the iPhone 13 is totally appropriate for you and go get them. Uh, I think if we can just honestly present that stuff to the Lord, uh, he will be pretty good to us in telling yeah. us what he thinks a good next step would be. Well, Stephen, it's been a great conversation. Thanks for lending us your, your biblical bossery for an hour. And 
Uh, anything, anything on your mind that you want to close with? Um, everyone, it's, it's starting to be maple season out there. The sap is starting to run in the maple trees. And I'd say get out somewhere that you can enjoy the sugaring season and get yourself some fresh maple syrup. It's a lovely time of year. You know, it is Lodofeb Eve today as we record this. Yes, you guys is. will hear this mid Lodofeb. So that's a great tip if you, because maple syrup is about $20 an ounce. Yeah. And little, little do most people know, but if you find a good maple tree, it's free. It's a piece of cake. Just yeah. pop Just a tap it. and boom. Yeah, that's right. If anyone harvests maple syrup because of this podcast, uh, we'll give you a subscription to Abraham's wallet for a whole year for free. That's right. That's right. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day. This is Steven Manuel. And I'm Mark Parrott. For Abraham's wallet. Good news.